it's time for you and me to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And here, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean by that. I don't need to sit and explain to you once again as, as we go into our special tonight. I don't need to explain to you once again things aren't going that well in the country. The direction of America is not exactly what we want right now. It's, I, I don't need to belabor that point. Here's the deal. I don't like where we're at. And if I have to be totally honest with you, it's just you and me talking. I don't like where we're going. I don't like what it's going to take to defeat these people. Because here, here's just a philosophy I have in life. Yours is probably different. I'm not saying I'm right, but this is mine. I'm a huge live and let live guy. Not just politically, just my personal life too. I don't care. Ah, Jesse, did you, did you hear the, the, the neighbors doing drugs in the garage? Okay. I don't care. Did he uh, throw them out back where my dog can get them? Or did he offer them to my kids or something like that? No, no, he's just in the garage by himself. Don't care. I wish he'd stop, but not my problem. I'm just a real live and let live kind of guy. That's how I want to live my life. And here's something else. I don't want to show up on a Saturday when I'm done with work. I got a Saturday and I can do what I want, hang out with the kids, watch a game, do whatever. I don't want to show up at some political protest. I don't want to make stupid signs. I, just, I don't want to do, I, I want to live and let live. I want to go to work. I'm going to come home, hang with the fam, browse the news on the phone a little bit, go to sleep. I want to live and let live. That's not what we have now. We cannot live and let live our way out of this pickle we're in. What we've done so far on the right, what we've done is we have passively live and let lived our way into complete nothingness. We hold nothing now. Even facing these great elections in the midterms and whatnot, what are we going to do with them? We must all change our mentality and start playing offense. Offense. Defense is not going to root the communist out of every single cultural institution he has wormed his way into. You cannot live and let live him out of there. We must play offense. Which brings me to something we have to start discussing more. The Republican Party. Yes. I know the Republican Party sucks. I'm not one. I'm an anti-communist. But they're the only thing we have, the only alternative to the full-blown communists. How involved are you in the midterms? How much are you paying attention to the type of GOP we have going forward? It's not enough for a bunch of guys with R by their name to win a bunch of seats in the midterms. Either we have people with the stones to do something, or what difference does it make? I mean, let, let's remember something. We talk a lot about Donald Trump's presidency and uh, Russian collusion and sanity and impeaching him twice and all, all the things they did to stop him. Do you remember that Donald Trump, he had a Republican House and he had a Republican Senate? That's Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Donald Trump. We got a little tax cut done. We had the power, or at least on paper we had the power, we can get anything done because of this huge administrative state and GOP pathetic weakness. We still have a Washington, D.C. full of losers like Republican Senator from Oklahoma, James Lankford. 
We are also seeing now um, efforts to rename military bases across the country. The Senate, the Senate Armed Service Committee voted on that uh, this week. We've seen leading voices like General David Petraeus saying it's time to stop having uh, military bases named after Confederate generals like Braxton Bragg. Is it time? I do, actually. I think the right way to be able to do this is to be able to have a study, to be able to look at where the name come from, what, what do we need to have, to be able to take a serious look at it, and then to be able to transition. There are lots of great leaders, military leaders that are around the country, that are modern leaders, uh, that we can continue to be able to honor. I want to point out that he said those words several times. He said them on television, in public, and he said them when Antifa and Black Lives Matter animals were burning down American cities and tearing down statues across the country. What was the GOP response? Well, I mean, I guess we could, we we should change this name, guys. I I look, I'm I'm the king of the not racists. So look at all my black friends. Oh, we should. We don't have time for this anymore. We're, we're, now, we're now stuck with this. This is what we've always been stuck with. You've always been stuck with it, and so have I. Well, yeah, we're giving back ground, but not as much. When do we take ground? I don't want to hear about all the things you're going to do to stop them. I want to hear about what you're going to take. I, you know, I'll tell you something else I want to hear. I want to hear how angry you intend to make them on purpose. I don't want to hear any more of crap like this from honestly look this is donald trump should you have fired fauci so a lot of people ask me that question and i did it right because if you do fire him you're going to have a firestorm on the left again as usual i'm i'm sorry is my hang on my earpiece might might not be working i didn't fire the guy who carpet bombed the country because there'd be a firestorm on the left? I'm sorry, with all due respect to President Trump, that's not good enough. Your goal is to have the left in a firestorm, whipped up into a frenzy, calling you the Antichrist. Your goal is not to make them stop, calm them down. These people are communist monsters trying to destroy the United States of America. If they don't hate you, if they're not wishing death on you, you're useless. You're not doing anything. The goal is to make them angry. These people are trying to ruin the country. We don't have time for, well, I couldn't because, because, I mean, someone would get mad at me. What? And maybe Donald Trump runs again. That's fine if he does. Don't care. Thought he was a good president. I did. But, wow, we have got to do better with a lot of things. We've got to do better with hiring and firing. We, we do. I mean, Dr. Fauci, how does Donald Trump allow that man, that bureaucrat, to destroy the economy that Trump built that was going to win him re-election? Re how do you let that happen? How do you put in guys like Bill Barr? How do you appoint Christopher Wray to lead the FBI? This is not good enough anymore. And you can say things, well, he didn't know. I get it. I get it. I'm not a Trump hater, as you well know. I like the guy. I like the guy a lot. He didn't know, ain't good enough anymore. We are in a bad situation right now. Fine, he doesn't know, give me someone who does know. And look, I'm not taking sides. I've told you before, I'm not gonna take sides in the GOP primary. I actually am one of the few, I want everyone to get in the primary. I want Trump, Cruz, DeSantis, everyone. I want them all out there competing for my vote. 
Iron sharpens iron. I want them getting back on message in a sharp primary. I want, and if you're a Trump fan, you should want Heavy D to get in the primary to get Trump back where he belongs. While so many around the country have consigned the people's rights to the graveyard, Florida has stood as freedom's vanguard. We reject the biomedical security state that curtails liberty, ruins livelihoods, and divides our society. And we will protect the rights of individuals to live their lives free from the yoke of restrictions and mandates. Florida has stood strong as the rock of freedom. And it is upon this rock that we must build Florida's future. That's how it's done. And what's been the result? Huh, did he say, they're going to be mean to me, guys. What's been the result of bold leadership? Everyone's moving to Florida. Everyone's vacationing in Florida. That's the only nice place you can go where everyone will leave you the heck alone. I've been there twice in the last two years personally. It's what's happening out there right now. That's what we need. Bold, leadership, aggressive. Newt Gingrich got out there. Sounds like a good idea to me, Newt. Uh, you're going to have a Republican majority in the House and a Republican majority in the Senate. And all these people who've been so tough and so mean and so nasty are going to be delivered subpoenas for every document, every conversation, every tweet, every email, uh, because I think it's clear that this, these are people who are literally just running over the law, pursuing innocent people, causing them to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees for no justification. And it's basically a lynch mob. And unfortunately, the Attorney General of the United States has joined that lynch mob and is totally misusing the FBI. And I think when you have a Republican Congress, this is all going to come crashing down and the wolves are going to find out that they're now sheep and they're the ones who are, in fact, going to, I think, face a real risk of jail uh, for the kind of laws they're breaking. Good. And you can say, look, back to the, what I said in the very beginning about us getting uncomfortable. You can say, man, I don't want to live in a country where we're, th you know, threatening to jail the other side. I don't. I don't either. That's the last thing in the world I want. I want the normal, relatively civilized politics we've always had. But I didn't build this era that we have to live in. You didn't build this era. This is the era we live in. We are facing vicious communists. Unless you threaten them with what they're doing to you, they're never going to back off. They're not going to wake up the next morning and say, you know, are we, are we being too mean, guys? They don't think in those terms. You either put the fear of jail and subpoena in them, or we're already done. And I know that makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. That's not the kind of world or country I want to live in. This is the period of history God gave us. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. we got a great special for you. Hang on. Joining me now is Congressman Lee Zeldin from the great state of New York. Well, state of New York that's in a little bit of trouble out there. Congressman, first of all, you know what? Let's talk about New York and the Republican Party and these blue states that are traditionally blue. 
you don't ever want to write a state off. And I dang well know you don't want to write off New York. What's our path to getting a state like that back? I love New York. The history there is awesome. Upstate is really cool. What's How do we get it back? So here's the great news. November 2nd, it wasn't just a Virginia governor's race, but November 2nd, 2021, we flipped Nassau and Suffolk District Attorney, Nassau County Executive, Suffolk County Legislature, New York City Council seats, a bunch of towns upstate, a whole lot going from blue to red. People hitting their breaking point. They're talking about how one party Democrat rule is attacking their wallets, their safety, their freedom, their quality of their kids' education. And it's not just red conservative Republican counties. I'm hearing it from blue liberal Democrat counties and groups and individuals and transcending party loyalty is how they don't feel safe around their streets about how they feel like Dems are discouraging their involvement in their kids education. The freedom crushing mandates are just not being able to afford to survive here. We saw it November 2nd. I would say that the pendulum isn't about to swing. It's already swung. That the political earth isn't going to move under us. It's actually already moved. Congressman, I have a worry. I know, I know I'm not worried about you in particular on this, but the GOP looks to gain some major seats in the midterms. That's not exactly news. Everyone, everyone paying attention to politics knows this. I'm worried about them playing it safe once they do. Well, we finally have all this power. We took back all these seats. Let's not do anything to offend anyone. And that's the last thing in the world we need right now. We need gains, not just defense. We need gains. Are we in an offensive mindset? I I see it as, so I'm in my fourth term in the House of Representatives. And amongst my colleagues in the House, I definitely feel like there's more of an edge than what I'm finding conference-wide in the Senate. Uh, It's going to be important not just to be passing the great bills, doing the important oversight in the House, but if the Senate flips, and hopefully it will as well, I I think that's where that edge needs to be sharpened uh, because um, the American public is looking for answers and accountability. When you're talking about a balance of power in Washington, D.C., it's not that Republicans and Democrats are now in power to get you know, just all be getting along all the time. There's uncomfortable conversation and debate and oversight that needs to happen. And the Democrats aren't going to be happy with you, but you have to do it. And the American people are demanding it. That would be the reason why you're getting the gavels back in the first place. I agree. So what does, uh, I mean, I obviously you're running for governor now, and we certainly hope you win. But if you're, if you're Speaker of the House, what's the Lee Zeldin four or five point plan? What are the priorities? There's so much to unpack right now. It's not like you can come up with a bad list. But if GOP takes it back, what, where do you even begin? So you have the oversight conversation, you have the legislation conversation. On the oversight conversation, the gavels flip. Instead of you know Jerry Nadler being in charge of the Judiciary Committee, it's Jim Jordan. So just start thinking about what oversight starts looking like when you go from a Jerry Nadler to a Jim Jordan on the oversight. This administration, the way that the family has, uh, it, they've enriched themselves, not just when Joe Biden was vice president, but now as president, Uh, So that we need to have accountability on these agencies that are uh, a Biden appointees not doing the right thing, whether you're talking about uh, politicizing the Justice Department, politicizing anything in the intel community uh, or the State Department needing to be held accountable for what was a disaster of a withdrawal from Afghanistan or, you know, who knows what's going to happen now in Ukraine. But I'm greatly concerned about the way this administration is just so weak and inconsistent generally. Now, on the legislation side, 
you can't just say to yourself, ah, President Biden's never going to sign Bill X, so we're never going to move it. You know, if there's support for legislation that cuts off funding to sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, well, move the ball on the bill, pass it in the House, try to pass it in the Senate. You know, challenge Joe Biden to be vetoing that legislation. You'll provide the funding for stronger border security, cut taxes, get rid of wasteful spending. There's a lot that needs to get done that, by the way, you know, going into it, that Joe Biden would probably veto it. But you know what? The American public is demanding you to push forward and not give up these fights before you even start fighting. Congressman, it's you brought up oversight. People blow up my email, and I'm sure they blow up your email about things like Dr. Fauci, the FBI. These, I'm very, very concerned about America's bureaucracy, our administrative state that is apparently packed full of Democrats who are activist Democrats at this point in time. That is a problem. I don't see how a Republican agenda can ever be successful until we do something about that. What can we do about that? So you schedule that that primetime hearing or that middle of the day hearing that's getting national attention. And you know when you're bringing, by the way, the Attorney General of the United States, you're bringing in the Secretary of State, uh, you're bringing in these people who are high-ranking Biden administration officials, and you're setting the agenda of what that conversation, what the questions, what the commentary is going to be about. When you bring Tony Fauci in front of your committee, you have to make sure that you're getting the entire story that's out there. Uh, the, the the facts, not just when the science is convenient, uh, but following the science, even when the narrative doesn't quite fit what you're trying to accomplish politically. People, the American public just wants facts and truth, and they're not getting it many relate uh, many respects regarding uh, this entire pandemic response. You know, I just heard yesterday a public service announcement on my radio where the doctor, the medical expert, and this is paid for in New York State, a blue state, paid for it with taxpayer dollars to tell us that the CDC is no longer recommending cloth masks. Now, why does New York State have a statewide mask mandate? Why does a two-year-old have to spend their entire day today while you and I are having this conversation in this state having to wear that cloth mask? Getting the entire story and facts out are important because what the Democrats do with their gavel is they will narrowly define their hearing to only be about what's convenient to what they're trying to accomplish politically when the American public deserves answers and accountability on everything. And then ultimately, it's November 2024 when we fire President Biden and we have that huge shift back. But you have to earn it. You can't just assume that that pendulum is going to keep swinging. You have to earn that faith and that trust of voters and not take anything for granted ever. I'm glad you brought up the two-year-olds wearing masks. Here's someone you're well familiar with, New York's governor, well, now Governor Kathy Hochul. And we do hope that everyone really comes around and realizes this is a simple very minor uh, intrusion, if you will, if it's that, even that. All the children in the state have been wearing masks since the beginning. It's not that big a deal. It'll help save lives, keep them healthy, and that's all we're asking for. So there has been some pushback, but we're not backing down from this. We think it's important. They talk about kids like they're nothing, Congressman. I, I, I drove, I, all politics aside, Republican, Democrat, these people talk about kids like they're just little useless beings. I'll throw a mask on them. They're adaptable. Oh, they don't care. These people are monsters, man. It drives me crazy. There probably hasn't been a day where Kathy Hochul has gone from, say, 7 a.m. in the morning till 
three o'clock in the afternoon where she just wore a mask the entire day with no break. She probably hasn't done this a single day. And I've seen photos of her where she's showing up inside of a classroom where she's not wearing a mask, but the kids are wearing a mask. Two-year-olds? Really? And, and you know, now they're talking about having a COVID vaccine mandate requirement for kids in order to attend school in the fall, healthcare oh. workers and others who have lost their jobs, NYPD not getting their paycheck, a six-year-old having to show their vaccination, their papers, in order to be able to eat at a restaurant or go to a museum or go to a movie in the city or 12 NYPD officers will come to detain you and kick you out. The priorities are so screwed up. As governor, on day one, all COVID mandates, vaccine, mask mandates, otherwise they're all gone. They should be gone right now. Congressman Lee Zeldin, good luck. Go get him. Go beat that woman, please. Yes, sir. All right. Jason Miller joins us next. Hello, it's Nancy. Thank you for the opportunity to share some thoughts with you. This election is crucial. Nothing less is at stake in our democracy. But as we say, we don't agonize, we organize. And that is why I am running for re-election to Congress and respectfully seek your support. I would be greatly honored by it and grateful for it. Thank you so much. <laughs> She's so warm. I mean, honestly, you just want to hang out with her. Joining me now is Jason Miller. Of course, he's the CEO of Getter. He's also a political communications strategist. Jason, I can't believe I'm going to say these words, but yes, Nancy Pelosi's creepy and thankfully no longer going to be Speaker of the House. But I think, I think I'd rather have her there. As awful as she is, the younger Democrats are so much worse. She may be the last thing holding on to any kind of sanity. Am I nuts? <laughs> What, you don't want AOC or Ayanna Presley or Rashida Tlaib or one of the other Ilan Omar, <laughs> one of the other crazies uh, actually in charge? The, no, it, as scary as it is, Nancy Pelosi might be actually the best thing for us as Republicans. She's an easy foil to run against. Although I do have to say, Jesse, if you take a look there, is that the full house set back behind Nancy in her, in her shot there for her announcement video? Maybe she had to rewind the camera back 20, 30 years to find some <laughs> image of San Francisco that wasn't uh, chocolate full of people defecating in the streets or distri distributing needles or something of that nature. So rest in peace, Bob Saget and Nancy Pelosi. I don't even think the full house set is going to save you. No, no, I don't either. All right. Going forward, obviously, we all know what the what the game is here. It's 2022. Everyone wants a GOP house and Senate. That's the goal. My goal, your goal, everybody's goal. What uh, What's realistic? I know we get excited. We look at Biden's poll numbers. We look at all the poll numbers. Oh, they're going to take a beating. It's going to be a tidal wave. But what is realistic to expect? House, Senate, what, what, what should we be going for? Yeah, great question. So if you take a look at 1994 and 2010, those are really the two years where we had the Republican tidal waves, at least in our kind of uh, adult history here. And the polling right now, the difference on what they call the uh, generic ballot, say, would you vote for a Republican member of Congress or a Democratic member of Congress? Is it the biggest delta right now with Republicans in the lead? I've seen some polling showing it as high as 9%, some showing it as tight as 3%, but all with a Republican edge. These are even higher levels than 94 in 2010. So from that aspect, we should be good. 
Here's the really good news, though. When you talk about the U.S. Senate, the gap between Republicans and Democrats is even higher. This is key because the Senate map for us, quite frankly, in 2022 is pretty tough. You have seats that, as you take a look at, say, a Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania is traditionally obviously a tough state. We've had Pat Toomey win in places like 2010, 2016. I think the reason why Toomey punched out is because he didn't think he could win in 2022. But now it looks like as long as we get a halfway decent candidate through the primary, we should be able to win that seat in the general election. You take a look at Senate incumbents, whether it be Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, or you take a look at even a Mark Kelly in Arizona, uh, two, I'd say, uh, rather uh, formidable Democratic opponents. Uh, we're going to have, it still isn't clear who's going to end up going up against them. We're going to need that additional tailwind to help push us across the finish line. But there are going to be a lot of Democrats who wake up on that first Wednesday in November and say, uh-oh, I'm not in office anymore. Jason, that's all the good news. And right now, honestly, it makes me nervous because as I look around, Joe Biden sucks so bad. It's all good news. What's the bad news? Surely I'm missing something. Well, absolutely. So the, the bad news, a couple of things. Number one is that in a number of these Senate contests in particular, uh, we have okay candidates or we have candidates who have not yet proved themselves, but our recruiting, uh, quite frankly, a number of these Senate races has been a little bit less than stellar. I hope some of these folks emerge from the pack and really establish themselves. But also keep in mind that we know, we've seen this now the last couple of election cycles, that big tech and big media are going to literally put their foot on the scale, their entire bodies on the scale to try to influence these elections, whether that be manipulating certain stories, whether it be stopping certain stories like the Hunter Biden laptop from actually coming out. We know that the political discrimination, uh, whether it be the Google and YouTube, as we saw uh, Dan Bongino now permanently banned from YouTube. We saw doc, uh, Dr. Robert Malone, Marjorie Taylor Greene, both kicked off of Twitter permanently. So many people who are viewed as center or center right are getting kicked off from these platforms. They're trying to remove them. That's part of the reason, quite frankly, I think it's good, whether we have Getter or True Social, some of these other challenger platforms coming out. We're going to make sure that big tech and big media never have the stranglehold that they've had in previous elections over our process. Jason, Donald Trump was playing golf, and obviously this, this, these comments are making their way around. I'm quite positive you've seen them. You were probably there at the time. Here's what Trump had to say. 45th president of the United States. 45th and 47th. 47th. Yes. yes. I, love I love that. Mr. Trump. Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, Trump National. Beautiful. Old Prez calling his shot there. All right, I'm not going to ask you if Trump's running again. Everyone asked you that. I am going to ask you this. Let's say we get Donald Trump in there. We have the House. We have the Senate. It's 2024. I am greatly concerned about the administrative state in this country. We all watched as they handicapped Trump's agenda for four straight years last time. Are we going to get, if, if, if in a perfect world, if we get Trump again, have, our, have House Senate, are we going to get a relentless attack at that so we can clean it out and actually get something done? I think so. And in fact, I asked the president, uh, I guess it was maybe a couple of months ago, said, okay, you win 2024, you get in there. What's going to be different this go around? He said, you know what? I was overly trusting and I put a lot of people, they may have had an R by their name or Republicans 
into his into my administration uh, at the beginning of 2017. And in retrospect, that didn't work out so well because they didn't believe in the mission. I think what President Trump really understood by the end of 2020 is that you have to get people who are in there who really believe in the same things that you do, whether that be on trade, whether it be taking on the deep state, whether it be about rooting out some of these career bureaucrats or the people who are trying to manipulate our freedoms behind the scenes. I think he's got a much different approach on this. The one other thing, though, I'd say, Jesse, is that uh, if I'd been out there on the course with him, as opposed to uh, the people who are recording that, he'd probably turn around and say, hey, Jace, quit talking when uh, I'm on the golf course, which is uh, usually what he tells me when I'm out there with him. <laughs> you can't talk in someone's backswing, Jason. You're better than that. All right. The GOP messaging for 2022, I, I understand I'm a fire-breathing right-winger, and there are things that I want that probably aren't smart to campaign on. You're actually intelligent. What should the GOP be campaigning on over this next year? Yeah, uh, this is one where you don't have to overthink it. This is very clearly Joe Biden cares about the borders of Ukraine, but he doesn't care about the borders of the United States. Joe Biden is leading to this record-setting inflation. Uh, the economy is going down the tubes. Uh, all of our enemies are emboldened. The U.S. is weakening their position on the global stage. It is a complete dumpster fire. The one thing I'd say on this is a lot of times uh, you might hear certain Republicans, maybe more an establishment or mainstream Republicans say, don't, don't touch any of the sensitive subjects. Don't touch anything like uh, critical race theory. Well, guess what? We have Governor Glenn Youngkin in Virginia because Democrats overreached on some of these social issues. We should go out and talk exactly to our conservative beliefs and go in there and actually govern as conservatives. There's no reason to sugarcoat this or try to pretend because Joe Biden has so thoroughly put the country on the wrong track that people want to change. And basic issues like what our teachers are teaching our children are exactly what people are talking about every single day. Uh, they're not going home and say, wow, did you have a, a really great uh, education today on American history? They're going home and saying, oh my God, they told you to say what? And, and so uh, I would say, don't overthink this. Let's go out and, and run as conservatives and govern as conservatives. Why has Joe Biden been so bad? I, I, I understand that you disagree with him on everything. So do I. Right? We disagree with him on everything. But I would think someone who's been in Washington for 8,000 years would at least sit back, look at the poll numbers. You know, they, all these guys do is study poll numbers and say, okay, this isn't working. Fire that guy. Fire that guy. We're going a different direction here because I would like a second term. That doesn't seem to have happened at all. Why do you think? Because he's not very bright and he's stubborn as hell. And if you're someone who's seen Joe Biden, he's been in Washington since, what, 1972 or whatever the last, you know, almost a half century now. This is exactly the Joe Biden that everybody knows. This is Joe Biden that uh, that face planted when he tried to run in 1988. Or, of course, he gave that Neil Kinnock ripoff about the, uh, you know, hundreds of generations of Bidens, you know, playing football and just, you know, swapped in, stole that. He face planted in 2008. For some reason, Barack Obama pulled him off the scrap heap of history and said, I'll make you my VP because then people think I'm good on foreign policy. There's a reason why Obama said Joe has the ability to blank everything up, which, by the way, President Obama, you're totally right. I mean, you, you did not. Uh, you're just ahead of your time, I think, when you said that. So the Joe Biden that we're seeing, Jesse, is the Joe Biden that everyone's known for half century. But this is the reason why candidates have to be tested on the national stage in the course of an election. Because if Joe Biden had to be out there every day defending his positions 
seeing if there was any coherent thought that was rattling around between his two ears, people would have seen exactly this. But the media and big tech allowed him to hang out in his basement, do you know once a week Zoom calls, tell people that they weren't black, uh, you know the the occasional fumble bumble along the way. Joe Biden was not tested where he currently is, and a lot of people, I get this, uh, a lot of people say to me, and Jesse, you probably get this again, people who voted for Biden say to me, I mean, I just didn't realize he was that old. And by old, it's not so much <laughs> the number. Different people are in different phases, but it's the weakness, the infirmness. And uh, Jesse, you know, I had this big concern when Biden was coming in. It was going to be kind of the weekend at Bernie's, but it'd be propped up by Pelosi and Kamala Harris and AOC and kind of all the, the radical crazies. I have a bigger concern now that nobody's propping them up. That This White House is a complete free fall because you literally, even if you tried to get this many things wrong at once, I don't know if you could pull it off. Yeah, that's a fact. Jason Miller, CEO of Gitter. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll be back with my friend and mentor, Michael Berry, next. This... This hurts me, but I want, to, I want to give you a little behind the scenes before I introduce my next guest. When I introduce guests on the show, I have to give them a title. I have to give them a title, and they choose their own title. I don't get to come on and just say, well, this is Bob, you know, he's, he's whatever I want him to be. They get to choose their own title. They send it in to the producers and they figure it out. So joining me now is my friend and mentor, Michael Berry the czar of talk did you really have to put the czar of talk in there you couldn't just be radio host it had to lifetime, be czar of talk the lifetime title you, you you refer to donald trump as mr president no matter how old <laughs> he is no matter how many years it is after yes czar czar i'm not russian Okay. All right. So, well, Czar, um, if, if you wouldn't mind, sit back for just a moment. Let's play the fearless leader, Joe Biden, cussing at Peter Ducey. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Let's Will go. you take questions on inflation, then? Let's move. Thank you. Thank you, Do you all. think inflation is a political liability? That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son Michael, I don't care about the president calling a reporter a name. I call reporters names all the time. They probably all deserve it and much, much worse. I do care the president doesn't have the mental ability to know when the mic's on and when it's not on. How does this guy not know where he is? Well, you know, you and I both know he's in a state of serious cognitive decline. But, Jesse, there's, there's a bigger issue there than that. I, th I think everybody understands that now. What's interesting is... I don't know if you remember, in 2012, there was, there was a same-day uh, exit poll done on the Romney-Obama election. And on the question of who would do best on the economy, it was Mitt Romney. But on the question of who would you most like to have a beer with or who most understands you, it was Obama. Obama was considered more likable, a guy that cared about you. And Romney was aloof and distant and erudite and rich, right? Well, with Trump, they made Trump out to be this evil, mean tweet guy. He was evil, but Uncle Joe, He's like your grandpa. He's a nice guy. He's a likable guy. There'll be no more mean tweets. So when Joe Biden calls Peter Ducey, you mean some. Well, that makes him a, he's a temper tantrum waiting to happen. He's an angry man. This is a guy who said that his son, Hunter Biden, is the nicest, is the smartest guy he's ever met. 
and Peter Ducey, this reporter, is an SOB. What you're beginning to see is the, the crumbling of Biden before our very eyes for what he really is and what he's long been known as in the Senate, which is a very angry, petty, cruel individual. And that will hurt him more than the cognitive decline or bad policies, because everybody, housewives can understand that. Truck drivers can understand. He's a mean guy. He's not a good person. Michael, really I struggle crazy. with this. and you Did they teach you to do that? Because when you were just a racist guy, you didn't know how to do that. That's impressive. Sorry, go ahead. Well, look, I'm a, I'm a formidable person. That's that's what it is. I have so I have so many skills that just come naturally to me that I, I can't I can't figure out what I got you know from God or what I came up with on my own. I just I'm, I'm more of a Renaissance man than anything else. As you know, as you well know, I I do suffer though from a short temper from time to time. We're not going to go into all the details of it, but I do I, I suffer from a short temper. It's a true story. And because of that, I struggle with what I want the GOP to do when they inevitably take back the House. And let's say, by the grace of God, take back 2024. I look at the evil of denying people medical treatments, and I say that's no different than what Jeffrey Dahmer did. And I don't care if you're a doctor or a president or you're at the FDA. If you looked at a medical treatment that could save someone's life and you said no, you should stand trial for crimes. Is that just my short temper? Am I out of line? Is that suicidal? Where am I? You're a dad. You know that if you tell your children, your boys, don't do this, and they do it, you either punish them and there are consequences, or that behavior never stops until you do, right? We all understand the concept of discipline. If there are no consequences for these behaviors, then these behaviors will continue. There have to be consequences. There has to be a Nuremberg trial of the COVID era. And you made the point earlier today, you said it needs to be government and uh, uh, healthcare. I think it also needs to be a part of government, FBI. I think some of these FBI, there were never any real consequences other than James Baker going to prison. There were never any real consequences for what they did to Trump. There were never any real consequences for Peter Strazik and his mistress, Lisa Page, and, and all the things they did for Jim Comey. I mean, Jim Comey's uh, influence continues his daughter in the Rittenhouse, I mean, in the uh, Eland uh, Maxwell case. It, it's really it's frustrating to me. And until there are consequences for these people, they'll continue on. You know, it took decades to chase down all of the Nazi war criminals. And we, the world stood by and led them because we all understood every single one of those SOBs should go to prison or be punished for that. And whether it's Demyanyuk or you name it, 60 years later, it has to happen. Yes, I think you're dead on. Do we have a GOP? I understand the GOP is spineless. You rail on this on your show all the time. I do too. Do we have a GOP that is getting a spine? I don't want to be all just bag on the GOP all the time. They've been worthless. They've been pathetic. Are they toughing, toughening up at all? No. They, 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 because they're more concerned, as you well know, they're more concerned with how they're going to be perceived in the Washington salons, at the cocktail parties. Every Republican secretly wants to be in the cool club. They want to hang. Look at Chris Christie. What a fool he was made by Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen and Obama calling Chris Christie right before the 2012 election. And, hey, my old buddy, my old New Jersey buddy. And they hang up the phone and they're laughing at Chris Christie. You know, fat so eating another donut because Chris Christie so desperately wanted to be in the pool club. They all want to hang out with movie actors and movie stars and 
all of this. So they don't want to be perceived as Trump was as the turd in the punch bowl. They don't want to be the guy that's speaking for the common man. They want to show, hey, I'm not radical. And that's the problem with McCain and Romney and, frankly, Dan Crenshaw. That's the problem with all these guys is they want to be in the cool club. And if you want to be in the cool club, you can't represent real America, flyover America. No, it's 100% right. I, I, you know what? That, that, that's a great segue. I know you did that by accident. You would never come up with this on purpose. But that's a great segue into another question, which is the Trump DeSantis. I don't think it's a feud. I personally, and this is a personal opinion, I believe it's going to be. I think those two are on a collision course. What should people think about that? I say they should get both get in and have a nice fight and may the best man win, but that makes people uncomfortable. How should people think about that? Well, I think it's a conversation we can't begin to have until 2023 because otherwise we'll screw around and mess up 2022. And if, if Republicans can do anything yeah. to mess up 2022 in the midterms, they will. And, and when the Washington <laughs> Post is is writing about the fact that DeSantis and, and uh, Trump are at each other's throat, what they're trying to do is split the Trump-DeSantis coalition. That's that's the America first voter. That's the guy that's, that's the independent voter. That's the truck driver. That's the gun owner. And if you split those two before 2022, then you might just pick off a few Democrat positions here and there. <clears throat> that's what they're hoping to accomplish. And that can't happen. That battle should happen, and it should begin in earnest in 2023 and not a second before. I will tell you, <clears throat> I had a conversation with Christina Pushaw, who you know, in DeSantis's office, and I asked that very question. And she said, we're focused on the governor's office. We love Donald Trump. He loves us. And that's our only comment. And I got to tell you, I applauded her. This was all fair. I said, that's exactly what you should be saying. That's the perfect answer. How come I don't have a nice Chiron uh, down People may not even know who I am. Well, I mean, we, look, <clears throat> look, honestly, we had to deal with the czar stuff. We're not dealing with a little Chiron and all that you stuff. Too. And, and, all right, finally. Can I talk about messaging? Because I made notes. I even I never make notes. I made notes. You know what? Talk about messaging, Michael. What is it? Talk so about messaging. Democrats are better at messaging than Republicans. This is a great segue. Thank you. Democrats are better at messaging than Republicans. <laughs> Much better. We won Virginia. Youngkin won Virginia because messaging, because of critical race theory. And Chris Rufo deserves a lot of credit for everyday Americans understanding what critical race theory is. We've got to be careful that we don't just talk about bond reform and funding cops and border and illegal immigration. We talk about the issue as it affects people, and that is crime. All of those things are affecting crime. We're watching people. The crime rate is at a 25-year high. Crime, number one, everybody gets it. There's no other, nobody's for crime. We got to be the crime party, the anti-crime party. Instead of critical race theory and, and teachers unions, we need to be talking about schools and kids. They're messing with your kids. They're, they're teaching your kids a bunch of nonsense, pablum, anti-American, anti-white, anti-your child. It's all bad. Health. You and I talk a lot about this. The decision over your health, is it you individually or is it the government? And we see we don't want it to be the government. Media and big tech. If we're the party against the media and big tech, a lot of people want to stick it to those guys. And I mean, if a vote for if the vote for the Republicans will stick it to media and big tech and censorship and all that nonsense, then I'm for it. Even people that are still on Twitter and Facebook, those people hate Twitter and Facebook's ownership and their censorship. We've got to win the messaging battle, and that's where Republicans usually lose. That was good, huh? I, I wrote that down. I had, had no. 
You can tell you prep for that. You can tell me. I, I could tell right away you prep for that. Michael Berry, thank you, sir. All right. Coming up next, final thoughts with me. You know what winning the House and Senate in 2022 with Republicans gets us? Nothing. I mean, that in and of itself, nothing. What are they going to do when they get there? What kind of Republicans are we sending there? What's this party going to stand for? Are we going to have a bunch more Republicans who are worried about bad press? Or are we going to get Republicans finally who seek bad press? That is what we need to save this nation. Are we going to get Republicans who look at the administrative state, FBI, DOJ, all these groups and attack it? Or are we going to have to hear this line a lot? The great men and women of the FBI. What kind of GOP are we going to get? If we're going to get the one we've always had, I'm out. If we're going to get a new anti-communist GOP, I'm in. Let's make sure we hold their, their feet to the fire and make sure they're doing the things we want them to do. All right, I'll see you.